Hello there. This is Benny. And this is Kyle. And you're listening to The Doctor's Watcher. The podcast where I decide to watch Doctor Who and tell you all about it. That's a good decision, Kyle. Always a good decision. Indeed. Here on the planet of decision is one of the decisions that we make. I I love it. (laughs) (laughs) And thank you for deciding to come listen to us, listener. Indeed. The the fact that you're listening to this means that you make good decisions. (laughs) Uh, It's official. (laughs) So... Do you ever have one of those days where your body just kind of like punishes you for getting older and you wish that you could like be a giant metallic D50? Boy, do I. I think you mean every day of my uh-huh. life, Kyle. <laughs> yeah, I I woke up this morning and apparently had like fucked my neck up in sleeping, so not really looking over to my right very much. I'm mostly just looking to the left <laughs> these days. Yeah, you, you probably saw me like, you know, stretching my neck, rolling my head around all through that last ep- episode recording. Because, yeah, I'm right there with you, Kyle. <laughs> Both of us are quickly approaching 40 at this point. Um, well, some of us more quickly than others. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know, one of these days we should be able to upload our consciousness either into a giant metallic D50 or like a giant metallic teapot or salt shaker or maybe just become like beings of pure energy. These are very specific objects that you're describing here, Kyle. I wonder why you chose those above others. Well, let's see. So salt shaker, I mean, I guess a Dalek looks a bit like a salt shaker. Hmm teapot maybe we'll find out or maybe we won't (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i often think of that episode of star trek where like a barrel falls on Worf's back and then dr crusher gives him a new spinal cord yes (laughs) yeah i wish i could like have that surgery done just get it all replaced yeah that would be lovely also kyle are you 39 or 40 i can't remember now um I'm 39 39 at the moment, yeah. Okay, okay. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, when I said that we're both approaching 40 and you gave me a look, I was like, oh, shoot, are you 40? (laughs) (laughs) No, I had to think about that for a sec. I I kind of felt like I was still 38, but apparently not. Anytime anyone asks me how old I am, I always have to stop and think about it. Well, shall we age another 40 minutes or so while we talk about Doctor Who. Let's do it. Listener, you have decided to listen to the 35th episode of Season 2, The Planet of Decision. And, Benny, would you remind us of the cliff dangler? Well, the the decision that our characters made at the end of the last episode was um, to 
be rescued by a giant metallic D fifty. And we're just we're just estimating with the the fifty sides. By the way, listeners, I don't know if uh, <laughs> we've actually calculated how many sides this this thing would have. But yeah, they were our our heroes were in a cave. Um, you know, with Daleks outside, and it looked like they were trapped with no escape when a door opened and this uh, giant metallic D fifty came out and told them to to come with it it's definitely more spherical than a d20 and i think it has fewer facets than a d100 so yeah d50 is (laughs) definitely an estimate but i think is a pretty good one probably admit it listeners you're not surprised to hear that kyle knows uh, what a d100 looks like (laughs) so in the previous episode when and this giant metallic D50 said, I think it was identifying itself. Oh, okay, okay. Because, like, it's, it's species, if that's the right term, it's model line or whatever, is definitely called mechanoid. Cool. Love and it. I'm pretty sure that maybe it was saying that its name is 830. I love it. Or like its identification or whatnot. It's the 830th mechanoid. So... On the planet Mechanus. Uh-huh. So it kind of is a Modron. Yeah, I, th- I think so. Modrons being creatures from Dungeons & Dragons. Listeners. Uh, I think most of our Dungeons & Dragons references, you can probably <laughs> intuit or, you know puzzle out through context but that one that one i think is a bit of a more of a deep cut so probably yeah maybe we should occasionally explain (laughs) a joke here and there (laughs) our heroes enter the cave that 830 is in and the cave wall closes and they all realize that it's an elevator that's taking them up to the city cool the doctor tries to basically engage 830 in conversation, but it doesn't reply to him. It just, like, retracts its top antenna into its body. (laughs) Uh, So so antisocial. Uh-huh. I mean, who among us hasn't wanted to retract our top antenna into our bodies when someone in an elevator tried to start a conversation with us? Yeah, the elevator's not the place for a conversation with strangers, Doctor. Yes. Who do you think you are? Commander Shepard or something? <laughs> Learning about the species of your companions during mm-hmm. elevator rides. The Daleks, meanwhile, are preparing to subject the cave walls to seismic detector tests to try to figure out how their enemies escaped. I love it. And uh, do, do we see the seismic detector? Uh, not at this point. I think they just talked about it. Okay. I'm actually well, not sure uh, if we ever see it. Uh, well, maybe, maybe Daleks just have like integrated onboard seismic detectors or something. Yeah, it could be like one of the one of the beams they can fire from their plunger arm. <laughs> yes. Amazing. At the top of the elevator, 830 leads our heroes to this you know large 
bridge or walkway basically that we saw in the model that it rolls across and we actually get to see a great model shot of a little tiny mechanoid going across a little walkway is a lot of fun so how does it move like uh, you mentioned it rolls it's basically got kind of a flat surface on the bottom of the sphere and i think they're like hidden wheels in that surface that we can't see okay so it's not the whole thing like rolling over and over again right it's it's more just like it's on wheels (laughs) (laughs) so 830 rolls across the walkway and at the other end of the walkway it meets another mechanoid and the two of them make some like clicky clunky noises at each other and they have sort of little arm extensions that kind of come out of the seam between their two halves they kind of like wave their arm extensions at each other and these guys yeah and then one of them rolls away I love them. 830 tells the TARDIS crew to enter the room that they've arrived at. Enter, enter, zero, stop. What's he mean? It means uh, enter, enter, zero, stop. Hmm. Thank you. That's that's very helpful. <laughs> once they're in the room the door slides shut behind them and you know they take a look around there's you know a nice comfortable seat there's this big structure in the middle of the room that has like staircases and ropes and shit it's like a adult-sized playground kind of not not what i was expecting these uh mechanoids to have but that's Uh cool Looks like a monkey's perch. The doctor is a little bit concerned about the fact that they haven't seen any organic life here, only robots. And as they're all pondering this fact, a man in a very neatly trimmed, not at all scraggly beard comes down from the playground structure. Hey, where you are? You real? Well, uh, let's see. So, so the the scrambliness level was relevant. So that must mean that this guy must be some sort of a shipwreck, sur- sorry, a spaceship wreck survivor of some point. I think perhaps, mayhaps. Anyway, we'll see. <laughs> Let me just speculate here for a moment. Yeah, he introduces himself as Stephen Taylor, Flight Red Fifty. Interesting. And, you know, they all introduce themselves to him. I do want to take a quick moment here to point out that Steven Taylor is actually played by the same actor as Alabama Man. (laughs) Uh, Maybe he's an ancestor (laughs) or a descendant. I guess he'd be a descendant. He'd be a descendant, yeah. It's definitely not alabama man himself like that's very clear because if it was alabama man he'd have announced that he's from alabama by now Uh uh-huh 
he's apparently been here on the planet Mechanus for two years and has not seen another human in that whole time. Yeah, which I guess is not that surprising. I mean, when the, when the doctor was concerned that he hasn't seen an organic being, I'm like, were you expecting more organic beings than robots on the planet Mechanus? Uh-huh. Like, also, on, like, check. are you not counting the fungoids? They're organic. Yeah. Apparently the fungoids and the mechanoids are basically the only creatures on the planet. Cool. That seems like a fun place to hang out. Uh-huh. Barbara asks where the mechanoids came from, and Stephen explains that about 50 years ago, Earth sent a bunch of robots to this planet to prepare it for colonization and basically get it ready for the first wave of Earth immigrants. But those immigrants never arrived due to the interplanetary wars that Earth got involved in in the meantime. Oh, dang. Mm-hmm. Stephen did, in fact, crash a spaceship here about two years ago. And after the crash, he wandered in the jungle trying to avoid fungoids for a few days and then basically got captured by the mechanoids. <laughs> Well, it seems like the the mechanoids like taken in strays. <laughs> Barbara picks up on his use of the word captured and wonders if that means he's a prisoner. Yeah, he didn't say rescued. But you think I'd stay here otherwise? I'm just like you. We're all prisoners. Help yourself to a piece of eternity. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> What a line. Uh-huh. And right on cue, some blinds open on a window in the room they're in, and Barbara realizes that they're basically on display. They're like specimens wow. in a zoo, essentially. Amazing. Meanwhile, the Daleks have found like the elevator summon button in the cave, and have gotten the elevator to come back down. So they all roll into it to head on up. They're basically like preparing an attack on the mechanoids who they apparently call the mechons. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I, I guess the Daleks have such contempt for all other species that they don't even bother getting their names, right? <laughs> Two syllables is all they deserve. Yes. When you speak at Dalek rates, I mean, you got to sometimes conserve your, your syllables. Yeah. One of the Daleks is a bit worried because the mechanoids apparently have pretty good weapons, but they're going to go after the humans anyway. The orders of the Dalek Supreme will be obeyed. The humans will be destroyed. The mechons will not be permitted to stand in our way. We attack! I love Daleks. Also, I like that they're still insisting on destroying things, attacking <laughs> things. Uh huh. Like, I mean, maybe my my memories of the modern Dalek episodes are are somewhat hazy, and maybe their their vocabulary is a bit more diverse than I remember. But I feel like these days everything is exterminate with Daleks. That's kind of what I felt like too. 
<laughs> Back in the human enclosure, Stephen explains that he built the entire playground structure in the middle of the room and that it leads up to the roof. He's thought about like escaping from the roof, but it's about 1,500 feet above ground level. So, so like you described it, or one of the characters, I guess, described it as a monkey perch. So am I picturing something from a zoo, like where the enclosure in the ape building or whatever has the little tree with the swing and the hammock or whatever for the, the apes to play on, that type of thing? Basically, yeah. There's like, you know, a couple of different staircases going up and like different sort of perches to sit on and different parts to climb on and stuff. That's, that's clever if he's using that, like, you know, oh, I'm just creating some enrichment for myself for while I'm on display to uh -huh. allow the, the, the zoo visitors to see me in something more closely resembling my natural habitat. And all along, he's trying to build a way to escape out the roof. Right, yeah. Uh, yeah, so he's been up to the roof. Apparently, there are not actually any mechanoid guards on the roof. And they're pretty cool with him going up there. He says that he's allowed to go up there anytime. So he takes Ian and the doctor up to see the roof for themselves. The three of them all arrive up on the roof and... Stephen basically immediately heads back down to get Barbara and Vicky, while Ian casually almost backs off the edge of the roof. <laughs> oh, buddy. You know, he's just, like, not paying attention to, to his surroundings and, like, casually stepping backwards and actually has, like, you know, part of his foot over the edge and he only catches himself when, like, the doctor shouts at him to be careful. Wow. Yeah. Um, person of action, not always person of paying attention. Uh-huh. He and the doctor notice some big coils of thick, heavy power cables up on the roof, and they figure that you know, with a few good tugs, these coils would probably come loose and then they could be climbed down to the ground. Very convenient. Uh -huh. Thank you. Thank you, GM. They head back inside, the two of them, to discuss the plan with everybody else. Steven agrees that it's a good potential plan. He's actually thought about escaping on the cables before, but he didn't think he could manage it on his own. Barbara and Vicky and the doctor are all pretty worried about the idea of climbing down 1,500 feet of cable, though. Wow. I'm not very good on heights. Yeah, she sounds rather risky. But Ian thinks it might be their only chance. Yeah, Ian, not everyone here is uh, in the same physical condition as you there, um, uh -huh. bud. I'm thinking of the doctor especially. He is a frail old man. Yeah, seriously. Our heroes watch through the windows of the human enclosure as a Dalek rolls up to a mechanoid and asks it where the space travelers are. 
the mechanoid says, which pisses the Dalek off. <laughs> so it film negativizes the mechanoid, but that doesn't really actually seem to affect or bother the mechanoid like at uh, all. It just kind of rolls away. <laughs> I think the Daleks may need to rethink their approach. Uh-huh. The humans have all made it up to the roof by now, but not before the doctor sets up the Dalek Kilotron in the human enclosure room. Nice. A couple of the Daleks roll into the enclosure, and one of them orders for some other Daleks to be dispatched up to the roof area, but then the Dalek Kilotron kind of like pops and flashes and like releases a puff of smoke near one of the Daleks. And apparently this fucks the Dalek up. Oh, dang. I'm exterminated! I'm exterminated! Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> uh, how the tables have turned. <laughs> Meanwhile... A mechanoid rolls up to the other Dalek and kind of, like, extends its weird little arm extension things and, like, kind of grabs the Dalek with it. It looked like the Dalek should totally be, like, easily capable of rolling away, but it doesn't. <laughs> totally immobilized! Oh, um, that was the mechanoid saying trapped, by the way. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I actually got that. <laughs> um, yeah, I, 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 can't, I can't decide if like listening to all these robot voices would be like really cool or kind of excruciating. <laughs> A bit of both, I would say. <laughs> Probably still better than the web planet, though. <laughs> I like I like how we always have that frame of reference now. <laughs> Up on the roof, they have successfully detached the cable from the building and they're preparing to descend. Vicky is standing near the edge of the roof. She's looking just kind of like generally stunned and a little bit out of it, like she's not quite fully present. As she sees, like, how high up they are. Oh, man. Right there with you, Vicky. Yeah. Barbara pulls her back from the ledge, and the basically the adults in the group all kind of collectively realize that they're going to have to lower her down. She's not going to be able to climb down the cable. Yeah, if that were me, I probably would have been in the same, same boat. Yeah. Um, I get I get pretty bad vertigo when when I'm up, up high on things. Yeah, I I can sometimes get pretty bad about heights too. Vicky protests like she basically doesn't want to go down at all. They all assure her that she'll be safe, and the doctor blindfolds her so she won't be able to see how high up she is or anything as they lower her down. Uh, is, is she like, is she a fan of this plan? Oh, no, 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 not at all. I mean, the, the, the blindfolding part, is she like, oh, that sounds like that might be helpful, or like, mm, that's just going to make it worse. 
Um, I don't think she reacted specifically to the blindfold either way. <laughs> she had she had bigger things to yeah. worry about. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he blindfolds her. They all like get the cable secured around her, you know, kind of like under her armpits, and they get her holding onto it, and they basically like start to lower her over the edge of the building as she screams in fear. Oh, jeez. Hi, Kyle here. I hope you're enjoying the episode. You can let us know what you think of it by emailing us at thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com or by tweeting us at doctorwatcher. You can also leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you review your podcasts and tell a friend. Anyway, back to the episode. Meanwhile, smoke has started pouring out of the doorway that leads back into the building. So Stephen rushes back into the smoking burning building to get his little stuffed panda plushie that he calls Hi-Fi and says is his mascot. <laughs> oh, buddy. Sometimes, sometimes you gotta let the the non alive <laughs> companion object that you've been clinging to during your your long stay away from people. Sometimes you gotta let it go. Yeah, especially when you are like one of the four people who is actively lowering somebody else down the side of a building. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, come on, you're you're busy right now. Uh huh. Because, like, as he rushes off, Vicky does kind of drop a bit. Oh, jeez. And this almost pulls Barbara over the edge. Oh, boy. But Ian and the doctor manage to, like, grab onto Barbara, and they stop both her and Vicky's cable from just plummeting. Okay, because I was about to ask, wait, if they're grabbing onto Barbara, who's holding the rope? Or cable, I guess. <laughs> Inside the enclosure, Stephen runs around through the smoke, dodging Daleks. Meanwhile, elsewhere in the city, the mechanoids are preparing to attack the Daleks, who are preparing to attack the mechanoids. That works out. Uh huh. So a group of mechanoids confronts a group of Daleks, and they all start fighting. Amazing. We get this nice big montage of Daleks rolling around, and mechanoids rolling around, and mechanoids grabbing Daleks with their weird arm extensions, and Daleks firing their film negativizers repeatedly until mechanoids blow up. Oh, it does work. You just have to shoot them enough times. Well, yeah, I just got to keep shooting. Nice. And also, mechanoids firing literal flamethrowers at the Daleks. Amazing. <laughs> until the Daleks break down. Kyle, are the mechanoids cooler than the Daleks? You know, they might actually be. <laughs> the Daleks have uh, not had flamethrowers yet. Yeah, I wasn't expecting the, the new robot species to be 
you know, more awesome than the Daleks, but those flamethrowers, you, you gotta, you gotta at least consider it. Uh-huh. We cut to the jungle at the base of the city where apparently Vicky and Barbara have both safely descended. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So presumably Barbara just climbed down on her own? I guess, yeah. Like, after they Person lowered Vicky, she must have just climbed the cable herself. Of course. She's awesome. Mm-hmm. She's checking on Vicky to make sure that Vicky's actually okay. And it seems like Vicky is, you know, oh, good. now that, like, the actual descent is over, she's on the ground, she's feeling better. Uh-huh. The doctor and Ian finish their descent, and the doctor suggests that they all head to the TARDIS to GTFO. Uh, aren't they forgetting somebody? That's what Vicky wonders. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and... They basically tell her that he went back into the city and that he yeah, probably he's just an NPC. <laughs> yeah. They figure he doesn't have good chances of survival, which is fair like apparently at this point the actual cable itself is on fire and like the whole building is collapsing. Wow, what's the what's the DC to climb down a cable that's on fire in a building <laughs> that's collapsing? Uh-huh. Like I think the the fire condition on the cable itself, the DM might have applied only after Ian and the doctor got off the cable. Oh, it's like it's like one of those things in a video game where you realize you're not supposed to go back to the previous stage because right. whatever yeah. Makes sense. So yeah, with the whole building about to collapse, like really it's time to GTFO. <laughs> okay. We see a shot of the city model superimposed with stock footage of heavy smoke and dust. The city model kind of fades from view until all we see is the smoke and the dust. And, you know, theoretically the city has now collapsed. Wow. The but whole thing, huh? I guess they didn't want to destroy the model, which is fair. It was a cool model. <laughs> we cut to the middle of the jungle outside the Dalek time machine where... Vicky and Barbara and the doctor are all just kind of like standing around and watching. And after a moment, they hear a voice. Oh, you will be exterminated. Is it Ian just screwing around? Yep, it's just Ian. He's doing a bit on them as he exits the Dalek time machine and <laughs> basically tells them all that it's actually empty. Well, uh, we'll see. I don't know if the serial's over yet. Uh-huh. Also, it was kind of the mechanoids who beat the Daleks, but... That's true. Our heroes didn't actually do a whole lot. <laughs> I guess it was probably the Dalek Killatron that started the fire, though. Which burned down the, the city of a completely different species that was actually trying <laughs> to fight the people that you were originally intending to stop, but... Uh-huh. Yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> the doctor comments on how accurate and precise the Dalek time machine must be to be able to follow the TARDIS, which basically does just whatever the fuck it wants. Yes. And Vicky explains to them all that it's huge on the inside, just like the TARDIS, and... 
she offers to like give them a tour of the Dalek time machine, basically. Okay, cool. So the I'm doctor, it. I'm looking forward to it. Uh huh. The doctor follows her in for the tour. Ian and Barbara are about to follow, but before they do, Barbara has a realization. Ian, do you realize we could get home? Because this time machine is way better than the doctor's. <laughs> yep, exactly. They, they realize that this might actually be like their only chance. So they decide to ask the doctor about it and they like excitedly rush into the Dalek time machine. Uh, well, do they want these adventures to come to an end though? I guess they miss home. Yeah. We get a brief clip of Steven kind of like stumbling through the jungle calling for the doctor. Oh, dang. Uh-huh. <laughs> he's he's clutching his stuffed panda like he got hi-fi, saved hi-fi from the fire. He nearly gets caught by the fungoids a few times. And then we cut back to the doctor who is shouting at Barbara and Ian. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. I've never heard you. Nonsense in my life. You'll end up as a couple of burnt cinders flying around in pain in, in space. You idiots. You are absolute idiots. So, uh, do you think he took it personally? A little bit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Barbara says that they just want to go home. And Ian says that he's tired of this aimless drifting about, which really pisses the doctor off. Aimless! I tried for two years to get you both home. Well, you haven't been very successful, have you? How dare you, young man? How dare you, sir? I mean, like, I think we kind of knew that he wasn't going to take it well or that he was going to take it personally or whatever. But Ian has a point. Yeah, he really does. The doctor of course, points out that he didn't even invite Ian and Barbara in the first place. They thrust themselves <laughs> oh, still, upon him. He's still on about that. <laughs> uh-huh. Of course, you know, he's not framing it as I kidnapped you both. He's framing it as you forced your way into my shit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Barbara tries to calm him down. Look, I know we thrust ourselves upon you. We've been through a great deal together since then. And all we've been through will remain with us always. It'll probably be the most exciting part of my life. Look, Doctor, we're different people. And now we have a chance to go home. We want to take that chance. Will you help us work that machine? No! No! Barbara's so good. Yeah, she really is. She's definitely the best of them all. But the Doctor still doesn't want to help them. Vicky tries telling him that he has to let them go if they want. And he asks if she wants to go with them. And she's like, no, why the fuck would I want to go to the 1960s? I'd rather stay with you. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I don't blame her, but that said, she does like the Beatles. So yeah, that's true. There's at least one thing you can say for the 60s. Yeah. This actually seems to calm the doctor down a little bit, though. He mentions the enormous risks to Vicky, and she's like, yeah, but it's their choice. Mm -hmm. So he confirms 
with Ian and Barbara that they understand the risks. He doesn't actually explain what the risks are. He just asks if they understand them (laughs) and, you know, asks if they want to do it anyway, which, of course, they do. Anywhere, follow me. But you must follow my instructions implicitly. Understood? Implicitly! You will both have about a 50-50 chance. Follow me. Come along. Well, there's two of us, so that means that we have a 100% chance, right? (laughs) So the four of them all enter the Dalek time machine, and a few minutes later, Vicky and the Doctor leave it, and the two of them watch it dematerialize before walking off glumly. Oh, dang. Okay. We cut to what looks like probably a car mechanics shop, which Ian exits from the garage of. He looks around for a moment and is pretty quickly able to determine from like a taxi license thingy what year it is. Okay. London, 1965. Hey, we're two years out. Oh, what's two years amongst friends? We're home. <laughs> oh, they've been traveling for two years, so, you know, seems about right. Uh-huh. I do have to say, though, that I think Ian is not really thinking this through all the way, because <laughs> from the perspective of his and Barbara's co-workers... The two of them disappeared in the middle of the school year on the same day that one of their students also disappeared, and no one has seen or heard from any of the three of them in the following two years, and now Ian and Barbara are going to turn up without the student that also went missing and like just expect that everything is going to be fine. Well, um... I guess they could always explain they left her on another planet another time. <laughs> uh-huh. Ian heads back into the garage to press a button and then comes rushing back out. And a few moments later, there's an explosion inside the garage. to the Daleks time traveling for a while. Give the doctor a breather anyway. Huh. So I, I guess that they were worried that the Daleks could come and retrieve their time machine somehow and then keep keep chasing the doctor with it. Yeah, maybe it had like a a self-returning function or something that they were worried about. Okay, okay. So I was going to say like how are they going to come get their time machine if they don't have another time machine and if they do have another time machine then what's the point of destroying this time? <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> Anyway, uh, your your theory makes more sense. Let's go with that. (laughs) We get a nice little fun montage of Ian and Barbara visiting various different sites in London. They go and see Trafalgar Square, and they see the Thames. They chase some pigeons. They see a police box. (laughs) It felt very reminiscent of... Some scenes in A Hard Day's Night, speaking of the Beatles. Oh, I thought you were going to say in, in the, uh, the Dalek Invasion of London, <laughs> or, or the Dalek Invasion of Earth, I guess, uh-huh. where, where we see Daleks in the various like London landmarks. That's true. The soundtrack was much different for this one. No driving drums. 
but were there four lads from Liverpool playing the soundtrack? <laughs> I think they didn't get the rights for that. Just the <laughs> they could only afford to have the Beatles once. Yeah. They can afford London, but they can't afford the Beatles. Uh huh. The two of them board a bus to head back toward Coal Hill School, and it finally occurs to them that they'd probably better come up with something to explain their absence. Okay, I wasn't sure if they were just going to, you know, completely move right past that, or I guess they have to actually come up with a story. Uh huh. Well, they, they come up with the idea of coming up with a story, but before they can like go any further down this line of thought, the bus conductor comes up to them and asks for their fares. And Ian asks for two threes, and the conductor's like, Two threes? You must be joking. Where have you been, on the moon? Ian's like, uh, No, but you're getting warm. <laughs> He and Barbara... Do, do you know by any chance what two threes are? <laughs> I have no idea. Alrighty. I guess it's some, like, London transport system that got changed between 63 and 65. Uh-huh. I'm sure our London transit enthusiasts among our listener base will let us know. <laughs> Don't forget to tweet at us. <laughs> Barbara and Ian both burst into laughter at... Ian's line about getting warm. <laughs> and we see that the doctor and Vicky are watching them on the time space visualizer. Aww. Vicky is pleased to see that they're so happy, but the doctor is clearly still pretty upset about it, and he's obviously trying to hold back his emotions. I shall miss them. Yes, I shall miss them. City of Fastbots. Come along, my dear. It's time we were off. I'm not quite sure why he describes them as silly old fusspots. <laughs> that makes them sound like a couple of old curmudgeons or something. So, uh-huh. I mean, maybe it's true what they say about people, that the way that they evaluate you says more about them than it does about you. Right. It's kind of like how every time the Republican Party accuses the Democratic Party of something, it's actually something that re- the Republicans are doing themselves. Sounds a bit like that, doesn't it? <laughs> So the TARDIS dematerializes from the jungle soundstage, and we get one last bit of frantic piano jazz and TARDIS flying through timey-wimey, spacey-wacy, kaleidoscopy, lava-lampy stuff as the words, next episode, The Watcher, appear on screen. So I wonder if this really was the last episode with Ian and Barbara. 
Yeah, I mean, I I honestly don't know if they, like, return as guest spots or anything, but this is, like, this is their companion departure. Wow. I mean, I know that they have, like, you know, they have appeared in... Um, I know at least Ian has has appeared in things since then in, like, you know, audio dramas or, or mm-hmm. whatever. Um yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see him come back occasionally, either of them. But I don't actually know other than in audio dramas. Yeah, I, I do think that. Um, what's what's Barbara's actress name? Like uh, Jacqueline Jacqueline Hill. Jacqueline Hill. I, I I do think that she passed away like not long after um, her time on Doctor Who. But William Russell, I think, I think lived quite a while, and, and I know I'm that pretty sure. Saying, I think that that he recorded, you know, intros to, to episodes, mm-hmm. and you know, sometimes even in character. Um, so I'm pretty sure William uh, Russell is actually still alive today. Oh, cool! I'm, well, I, I I'm not a hundred percent on that, but I'm like ninety five percent sure. Well, I'll cut this part if he's not. <laughs> R.I.P. <laughs> um, so I will say that from a story perspective, I liked Ian and Barbara's departure better than Susan's. It th- was at least their choice. Yeah, it's their choice. It makes more character sense. It's not an old man making a big irreversible life decision for his granddaughter. Yeah. They have been theoretically wanting to get home for the entire series. Yeah. And, you know, as Ian rightly points out, the doctor has been unsuccessful in doing this himself with the TARDIS. Uh-huh. So, yeah, it completely makes sense that when they see this opportunity with the Dalek time machine that they would take it. Yeah. I mean, I was a little surprised they didn't take the opportunity when they were on the um, Empire State Building to just be like, close enough, peace <laughs> out. <laughs> uh, we live in New York now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, presumably they could at some point make it. Yeah, back fly to back to London. London. Yeah. It'd be a little easier than doing so from another planet in another like <laughs> time. But uh-huh. um, yeah. Wow. Uh, I'm going to miss them. I like yeah. Ian and Barbara quite a lot. And of course, the, the barbarian ship has been uh, the flagship of our show. Um, I, I think we even said at one point. I think I said at one point that like it's going to be even even harder to lose Ian and Barbara than it is to lose the Doctor because you get the yeah. Doctor back as a new actor, but it's still the Doctor. But yeah, this is this is it for Ian and Barbara. We've had them since the beginning. We love them, mm-hmm. and now they're gone. I read a little bit about their decisions, basically, you know, like from the real world perspective as opposed to the story perspective, uh-huh. and. What I understood was that Jacqueline Hill and William Russell had both independently decided that it was time to move on, that they were they were done with the show. And producer Verity Lambert decided to have Barbara and Ian depart together, which makes sense. Yeah, I'm so glad. I mean, it would have been so much worse if if they would have like departed individually, or yeah, if one of them sure. made it back to Earth and the other one didn't. My God, yeah, that would that would just yeah, that would tear you apart, tear both of us <laughs> apart. It would suck. Apparently, the Doctor 
being upset and emotional about it is not all acting. I guess William Hartnell was pretty upset about it and tried to convince the two of them to stay. Oh, jeez. Yeah, I guess Verity Lambert also tried to convince them. But, but yeah, they were ready to go. The Doctor's final lines about their departure apparently were not clearly specified in the script. It just said that he would say something about always fussing and bothering and getting in the way. So his actual line about, like, missing them and calling them silly old fusspots, that was all Billy Hartnell. Oh, interesting. Uh-huh. And, you know, I'm going to miss them, too. The show's definitely not going to be the same without them. Yeah. Well, this is the end of the serial. <laughs> <laughs> On that note. <laughs> yep. Because if, if, if it was, um, which I suspect that it was, uh-huh. would you recommend it? <laughs> so, Terry Nation seems real good at writing serials that are pretty fun and interesting and could probably stand to be an episode or two shorter. Uh-huh. And this one's no exception. Uh-huh. And and, and he, he writes off longtime companions. <laughs> uh-huh. Um. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely at least one full episode, maybe like one and a half to two episodes, where nothing really happens to advance the plot or anything. But but but, but Alabama man. <laughs> but yeah, it's still like it's still fun, and <laughs> even the episodes where nothing happens are entertaining to watch. Yes. So. And entertaining to listen to. Uh huh. At six episodes, I would recommend that if you're going to watch it, maybe do it in like two or three sittings rather than just one. <laughs> but yeah, this was a fun serial, and I probably would include it as one of the serials from this season that I'd say you should probably watch at some point. Excellent. I will add to that that if you don't feel like watching the whole serial, then. My two recommendations would be to hit Flight Through Eternity, so you can hear the New York accents and you can meet Alabama Man. Yes. And the Planet of Decision, so you can see the city and hear the mechanoids and see Barbara and Ian's departure. Yes. You know, I've been thinking about Barbara and Ian's departure, and in fact, I, <laughs> I was really hoping that they'd stick around longer. I didn't realize that they were only in two seasons. Um because I, I remember once seeing this like Tumblr gift set of them and um, the, the person who made it. it was a really nice, you know, gift set of like these romantic ish moments between them. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it said something along the, the, at the bottom, like, you know, I always wish that they would have gotten together. I always wished that like, you know, they would have eventually delivered on these little moments and turned them into an actual couple. But I think I disagree with that. I honestly think that they've been a couple the whole time. Yeah. Um, I think, I think it's just sort of assumed. Uh huh. I think that's, Um, yeah, that's my headcanon as well. I, I kind of see them as like the, the parent figures on the show, like both for Mm -hmm. Susan and for Vicky, who are more like the, the audience stand-ins 
as being a little closer in age to the target audience? Because, you know, when you're a little kid, then you can see yourself as a teenager who at the time seems cool and grown up and, and you know, <laughs> so, so old and, and uh, mature while still being young enough to, to be hip um, and, and relatable. Right. Um, and so I, I, I do think that, that Susan and, and Vicky are probably closer to being like the, the audience, uh, surrogate characters. And then, um, Ian and, and Barbara would be like their parent figures. And honestly, if you're seeing them as your parents, you don't want to see them like <laughs> kissing or uh -huh. declaring their love for each other. Cause it's like, ah, oh, mom, dad, come on. Right. Yeah. Just having like, the occasional subtle moment is like all that the kids can take basically. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, in, in general, I think that probably romance at this point in Doctor Who is not something we're going to be seeing much of because again, this is little kids and it's like, ah, kissing. Oh. <laughs> mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I genuinely think, uh, you know, maybe this is headcanon. Maybe this is like, I actually believe it. It's hard to tell sometimes, but it feels like Ian and Barbara are just in a relationship. Like they, they're in yeah. love. They, they both just, you know, have feelings for each other and like maybe just don't like constantly hold hands and smooch and talk about how much they love each other, but they are very much together. Yeah, for sure. So here we are at the end of episode 35. Uh huh. We've had, of our four original cast members, one of them departed earlier in the season, two more departed now, so we only have, like, one of the four originals remaining. Yes. You might think that this would be the end of the season. And you'd be wrong. And you'd I be wrong. Last, the last season had 40-some episodes. Uh, <laughs> we're not quite done with season two yet. Interesting. So, yeah, come back in two weeks to learn whether the watcher is the doctor's watcher <laughs> that'd be cool also whether we pick up two more like parent-esque characters <laughs> uh -huh. or any new companions or if we just wrap up the season with uh, the doctor and vicky yeah the dynamic between the two of them is similar to the doctor and susan but also different in some interesting ways so curious yeah, to see I where it like goes it might open up some interesting plot lines having to do with the fact that Vicky does kind of understand some time travel -y type stuff and sci-fi type stuff. So and we might move in more, more sci-fi direction. Possibly. I don't know. We'll see. We'll, <laughs> see. well, we'll see you then. Bye. Bye. Hi, Benny here. The Doctor's Watcher would like to thank Circuit23 for the awesome theme song he created for us. You can find his music, including our theme, at soundcloud.com slash circuit23. And you can reach him at circuit.23, that's circuit.23, at gmail.com. Thanks to Kyle for talking to me about Doctor Who, and thanks to all of you for listening to me listening to Kyle talk about Doctor Who. We'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com or on Twitter at DrWatcher. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you review your podcasts. Join us next time on The Doctor's Watcher.
realize we could get home. Home? Yes. Do you want to? Yes. I, I never realized it before. Neither did I. We may never get another chance. Do you think we could work it? Would the doctor take us? Let's ask him. 